Now we've been sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the table in the kingdom of heaven. That's what we've been doing this quarter, sitting down with Abraham. And there is an allusion in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 to a feast that we're going to enjoy one day of which our communion is a precursor. Jesus loved to eat just like Baptists do, amen? And he liked to eat with his friends. And it turns out that also is something the patriarchs did. In, Matthew, in Genesis chapter 18, we have a very interesting story that I want to read a portion of for you this morning, beginning in verse 1. Genesis 18, 1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said. Get three seahs of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. 
So she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Isn't that a story? How do you like that embedded in the events of Abraham's life be, between the call from Ur the Chaldees to the sacrifice of his son on Mount Moriah? How do you like in the middle of the great journey of promise we have this chapter that is largely about laughter. Who laughed and why and did she or did she not? And eventually, the second of the patriarchs, Isaac, will get his name from this event and they will call him Laughter. And all his life, they will remember when they say, Isaac, come in for the dinner. They'll think Isaac means laughter. I remember when I laughed. It's not the first time that the announcement of the birth of this boy, soon to be, is met with laughter. Abraham did the same thing. In chapter 17, in fact, after Abraham laughed, the Lord says, yeah, you're going to call him laughter too, old man. His name's going to be laughter. Maybe it is providential that here in the middle of Mardi Gras, we come to chapter 18 about laughter. I didn't really plan it this way. I didn't even know till I started thinking about it that I was going to be preaching on laughter the Sunday before Fat Tuesday. Maybe it is providential. Maybe God is going to call you this morning to lighten up a little. Take the furrows out of your brow. And enjoy the life he's given you without so much anxiety and worry. There may be somebody in the room who's been taking themselves too seriously. And today, the Lord is going to remind you that he's the one in charge of the universe, not you. And that burden you think you're bearing on the shoulders... Yeah, those shoulders are just not broad enough. And you need to roll it off on Jesus and put a new spring in your step. The scripture says, a merry heart, what? Doeth good like a medicine. Somebody put it into a tune. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Like a medicine is a merry heart. That's right. A broken spirit dryeth the bones, but a merry heart is the joy of the Lord. Is that you singing that, Christy? No, it wouldn't be Christy. All right. Now, the Scripture says that part of what God produces in the believer's life is joy. What you wouldn't give 
to have a little joy in your life. Aristotle thought that happiness was the single thing in a person's life that was in and of itself what he desired and not a means to another end. He wrote it in his ethics. To be happy. The reformers wrote in the Westminster Confession that man's true end is to bring glory to God and enjoy him forever. Did you ever hear that? Have you enjoyed God lately? Now, we laugh because we are surprised, generally speaking, okay? I was surprised when I got the note from Janice Hunter. Is Janice here today? Janice, I'm going to tell this story now, sister. I hope it's all right. I lost my Bible back here at the welcome desk. And Janice and I looked for it for a good while and finally said, I've just lost my mind. I don't know where I put my Bible. So I went on about my business. I was driving home later, and I got a call on my cell phone. And Janice Hunter said, Pastor, I found your Bible. Oh, good. Where was it? She said, well, I picked it up with my books and carried it home. I said, no problem. I'll just buzz by and get it. So I went by and get it, picked up my Bible. A few days later, I get this note from Janice Hunter. Dear Pastor, so glad you found your Bible. By the way, not to be greedy or anything, but was there a reward for finding your Bible? <laughs> yeah, you laugh because you're surprised, and I was surprised too. I nearly fell out of my chair. So Madeline and I, we got busy, and we printed up something that looked like an ordination certificate, and we sent it to her. And she framed it and hung it on her wall. That's what she told me. <laughs> now, we laugh because we're surprised. And I want you to know life is going to surprise you. People are going to surprise you. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. You're going to be surprised. Just want you to enjoy the surprise parties that are, come, that are coming your way. Abraham looks up. He's sitting under the tree. He's enjoying the afternoon just sitting there doing nothing. It's hot outside. And he's in the shade. And he see three guys, sees three fellows coming up. Now, Abraham's already old, and he buzzes into activity. He runs this way, he runs that, he goes get a calf. I mean, it takes hours to get this done. We read it in just a little bit, but there in the middle of that, somebody kills that calf and fixes it, <laughs> all right? This is not a short process. It reminds me of uh, Saturday, when, uh, a week ago, when we went to Mississippi and my son-in-law fixed us crawfish it was a precursor to our crawfish boil that we're going to have and I mean it was an all afternoon thing and that's how it was with Abraham and Sarah getting ready for these guests that were a surprise to them they looked up and there they were 
Just be prepared to show hospitality when people surprise you. It's okay. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, listen, learn to show hospitality to strangers. For in so doing, some have what? Entertained angels unawares. Without realizing it, they entertained angels. They had angels to their table and angels to their tent. And didn't realize they were going to do it. Except they had hospitality in their heart like Abraham and Sarah did here. Open your heart up to the surprises people bring your way. Enjoy the surprise party. Enjoy surprising circumstances. Sometimes I wish that my life would turn out just like I planned it. And I would be remembered for all the things I intend to write in my memoirs and my autobiography if I could get it done, you know. And you could just pass on the very picture that you want to of your life and who you are. But what's probably going to happen in your life is what's happened in my life. The things that are out of your control, which you cannot even predict will end up being the events and circumstances which determine how you are remembered and how your life is shaped. And they're completely out of your control. You'd like to say, oh, I'm going to put it down, how I want to be remembered, but the surprises of life are more likely to determine your legacy the surprises and how you handle them. Some of you are living with surprising circumstances right now. There may be somebody in this room who is pregnant and it is a complete surprise to you. And if not now, I'll bet you in this crowd there will one day be a surprise pregnancy. I hope if you or somebody you love is surprised by a pregnancy that you will respond like Sarah and Abraham did in their old age. They received this child into their life with laughter and joy. Somebody said, now, now wait a minute. That laugh of Sarah's, now, that wasn't a good laugh. Well, how do you know? How do you know that wasn't a good laugh? I mean, she lied about it later on, all right? Said, no, I didn't laugh. But I wonder if she could just really remove the grin even then off her face. You're going to have a baby and you're 90 years old. What do you do when you hear that? What can you do when you hear that? You just about have to laugh. Sarah is never rebuked. She is never reprimanded. She is never punished for laughing when she heard this announcement. 
Do you know that? The angel doesn't rebuke her. The angel is puzzled why she laughed. Now, it says the Lord delivered this message, and I'm assuming he delivered the message through the angel. I wonder if angels laugh. You think they do? I don't know if angels laugh. Maybe they don't. Maybe they really have no idea where this comes from in human behavior. Maybe angels are as puzzled as the biologists are about laughter. Where it comes from and what it means and why we laugh. I know this. Laughter is good medicine. And you and I need to do it more. In fact, I read about Abraham and Sarah in this passage. And I think, when is the last time you just sat under a tree and watched the world go by? Is your life too busy? You can't do that anymore. It's interesting how Abraham is sitting down at the feast, but it's in the kingdom of heaven. He's sitting down under this tree too. We have a story on the front of the worship guide about someone in our church who took 30 minutes a day just to sit in silence and listen. You heard the report on insomnia in America. 35% of adults in this country don't get seven hours sleep per night. Insomnia is like a plague. And if that is true, just about a third of the people in this room are having trouble sleeping. The scripture says, he giveth his beloved sleep. I know there's lots of reasons why we can't sleep. And I am plagued with it too sometimes. But part of our sleeplessness is a restlessness that never lets the mind stop. It just continues. It is a perpetual churning of the soul. It would be good for us and healthy for us and biblical to back up, take a load off, sit down under a tree, have a good laugh. I like that the second of the patriarchs is named Laughter. Enjoy the surprising circumstances that come your way. Receive them as a gift from God. These angels that visit Abraham, we assume the, they are angels. They might come your way one day. Have you ever entertained an angel? Do you know what the notion of angels interjects into your life? The providence and possibilities of God at work on a daily basis in you. 
I was on the golf course recently and said something about a miracle that happened to me. And, and an old man said, well, I consider it a miracle if I can find my shoes in the morning. <laughs> I understand you, brother. And perhaps we all ought to start looking more for the activity of God in the daily. In the process of life. The surprising things he does. Day after day in our lives. Maybe we need to start looking for the handiwork of God in the people and circumstances that are coming our way. And just know that God is busy intervening in our lives and on our behalf. My parents ran out of gas again when they got old. They did that when they were young. And when they were young and they had five boys, teenage boys, if we ran out of gas, we just, we literally just jumped out of the car and we pushed the car to the next gas station. We pushed a Buick station wagon two miles to a gas station. We just ran along, the five of us, just pushing it along. Well, mom and dad got old, mom's driving, they run out of gas. They're in the middle of nowhere in West Texas. He just told me this story. And dad can't hardly walk, but he gets out and they start walking and they start praying. Lord, we need help from the angels. And a car comes up and stops. Turns out this couple's lost. They made a wrong turn. But they stop. Hey, come on, get in. And the lady says something about... You know, the Lord directed us here. Thank the Lord we found you or whatever. And dad says, well, we were praying for angels. And the lady says, well, you got some. That's Gabriel driving and that's Gabriel in the back. That's their names. Gabriel and Gabriel came along to deliver my folks when they ran out of gas. I'd like to see them years ago when I was pushing that car. I am surmising and expecting that one day when I get to heaven and stand before God, God's going to say to me, you know, you didn't make it on your own down there. I say, what? Every day in all kind of ways, I was involved in your life and you never knew it. We get a hint of that in Matthew 25. When he says, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you took me in. We get a hint of that. That we're seeing the face of Jesus and all these people that we meet every day. But one day when you get to heaven, you're going to find out you weren't on your own ever. Dad used to say the angels are on the corners of the hood. They watch over your car so don't drive too fast or turn too fast. You might knock one off. <laughs> I think that too is true. I want us to be responsible, but to know that God's providential care is real in the world in which we live. And he's watching over us. And we can expect that. And when we pray, we ought to pray for the little things. Some folks say, I don't want to bother God with all this little stuff. But God says in the model prayer, this is what I want you to ask. Give me this day my daily bread. What do you ask God for every day? Anything? What do you ask God for every day? Is there a petition in your repertoire 
that you ask God for every day? If there is, I'll bet it's like bread to your soul. It's the staple of life. He wants to surround the ordinary activities of your day, the things you always need, with a petition on the front end and thanksgiving on the back end. So that all of the ordinary things of life are bracketed by the expectation of your heart that God will provide and the acknowledgement at the end that he has. Thank you, Lord, for the bread that I got today. And in this kind of prayer activity in your life, the presence of God will be so real to you as you walk into that place to take your test. You walk into that door where you work every day. You sit down at that desk and the presence of God will be so powerfully real to you as you ask for what you need and thank him when you get it. Enjoy the surprising circumstances that life brings your way every day. Acknowledging God's activity in all the little things and every day serve our surprising God. They receive the promise and they laugh. And Abraham says, Oh, I'm going to have a son when I'm a hundred. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And Sarah says, I am worn out. And Abraham's in an old man. Are we going to have the pleasure of a son? And the angel says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there something in your life too hard for God? He can't do this. Abraham and Sarah were taught the lesson that nothing is impossible with God. Our Lord Jesus reiterated that truth when he said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. These are people of faith in ancient times who received the promise of God and looked forward with expectation. And we received the promise too. And expect God's intervention in our lives through prayer. It's a daily thing, what God's accomplishing in you. It's daily bread and daily grace and daily presence in your life and it all begins when you believe the scripture says Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness he entered into a new standing with God when he believed I challenge you to awaken the faith that lies dormant in your heart and believe that the God who made you and made everything else loves you and is involved in your life, believe that he sent his son 
to die on the cross for your sin. Believe the promise that he has given to you in Christ. Repent of the unbelief and doubt. Receive the promise in faith. And new life will begin in you. Let's bow together. And as we bow together, I wonder if there's anybody in the room that has never trusted Christ as Savior. You've carried the burdens all yourself, all alone. A great step of faith and promise today would be for you to trust Christ as Lord and Savior, committing your way unto Him, confessing your sin and turning from a life of faithlessness and doubt to a life of trusting and believing. You can do that right now, you know. In the recess of your heart, God will hear your prayer. As you say, Lord, I'm coming to you just like I am. I need you in my life. Forgive me for my sin. And help me to trust you now. I receive you as Savior and Lord. Would you make that prayer in your heart and begin a journey of faith like Abraham and Sarah were on? God, I pray today that you would awaken faith in all of us. Faith for daily bread as well as for eternal life. Faith to face the here and now with joy. God, we pray for those who are struggling with great issues. That you would help them to see your hand. To know your heart. To know that they are not alone. I pray for those who have surprising circumstances they could not have predicted out of their control. That God, you will give them the grace somehow to receive them with faith and even with joy. Seeing in them your hand. God, I pray that you would give us the bubbling joy that you promised. The abundant life that you offer. And that every day we might live in that promise and with that joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.